Matthew in chapter 21, 1 through 11. Let's read. And when they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says something to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Now this took place that was spoken through the prophet, through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even a donkey of the foal of a beast of burden. And the disciples went and did just as Jesus as Jesus had directed them, and brought the donkey and the colt and laid on them their garments on which he sat. And most of the multitude spread their garments in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. And the multitudes going before him and those following after were crying out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the multitudes were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. We heard a song just a moment ago about the Lord bowing his head and dying. The reason for that last statement, it is finished, is because the work, like Miss Martha said, that he was sent to do was done. What does that mean? Earlier I read to you in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, 19 through 21. Let me read it to you again. Because I want you to see this. Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21. You ask, what was the work that Jesus came to do? Let me refresh you that you were not always a perfect person. Listen to what it says in verse 19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality. That's adultery. Impurity. Sensuality. Idolatry. That's placing other gods before him. Sorcery. Sorcery. Enmities. That's hatreds. Strife and jealousy. Outbursts of anger. Disputes and dissensions and factions. Envyings. Drunkenness and carousings. Or orgies and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. One thing that we have to remember, the reason why Christ Jesus said it is finished, is because when he bowed his head and died, the work that he came to do was over. For those that he came to save, for those that would believe and repent in him, that would believe in him, he was washing their sins away. Do we understand that? When he died on the cross, those sins past, present, and future, all those sins I just mentioned, to you. 
His work, he came to redeem us from that wickedness. And so when he bowed his head and died, he said, it is finished. Not just in the past, but in the present and also in the future tense. We have to understand the power of the cross. We have to understand the power of the wickedness that was inside of us. And who it was that overcame that wickedness. We catch a glimpse of that and on Palm Sunday. We catch a glimpse of it on Palm Sunday and we're going we're gonna to look at that today. We're going to read about that. Now listen to me. It is 11.35. 11.35. I've got plenty to say this morning. My heart's full. So y'all just bear with me. Today is a day of praise. Sundays are a day of praise. It's the Lord's day, right? Well, this day, quite literally, is a day of praise. Palm Sunday. The tenth day of the first month began Holy Week. Palm Sunday was a day where they praised the Lord. Hosanna. Glory to God in the highest. Hosanna, they would say, save now. They were ready for a Savior. They thought that he was going to come. And Now, there were true worshipers, we know, in the, in the bunch, but in the multitude. But they thought that he was going to come and overthrow the Roman government, which he did not. He came to overthrow the, the hearts of man. Yes, amen. Matthew in chapter 21 is, is our text. It will be our text. But this account is also recalled to us in Mark chapter 11, 1 through 11, Luke chapter 19, 28 through 40, John chapter 12, 12 through 19. For all four gospels to contain this story, should it be important for us to go over it? Yes. 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 Worthy of our consideration. The Palm Sunday account gets, in the, gets its start, not here, but the Palm Sunday account gets its start back in Exodus. See, this is why the Bible has to be taught holistically from beginning to end. You can't just leave out a bunch of sections. There would be no reason for Palm Sunday if it didn't start in Exodus. And then there would be no reason to be waiting on the Hosanna over there in the Gospels if we didn't see its beginning there in Exodus. To understand this event, you've got to understand Exodus. Our memories should be bringing to mind the book of Exodus. The great Exodus of the children of Israel out of what? Out of Egypt, out of bondage. Turn with me to Exodus in chapter 12. Exodus in chapter 12. Now I want you to pay attention to me today. Please listen to the words of God. Exodus chapter 12. 1 through 3. Let's read. Listen to what it says. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt... 
This month shall be the beginning of months for you. See, the Lord was starting a new thing for the children of Israel. He's going to call them out of Egypt. He's going to call them out of bondage. He's going to call them out of the power of darkness and out of the power of Pharaoh. He's going to deliver them out of, their, out, of, out of his hands. And he's going to bring them into a new place. And so he says, this is going to be the beginning for you. This is going to be a, a, a reset, a new calendar for you. Verse 2, this month shall be the beginning of months for you. The first month of the year. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Verse 3, speak to all the congregation of Israel saying on the 10th. It's actually the 10th of the month. I don't know if you realize that or not. Y'all realize that? Today is the 10th of the month. Which we know that our calendars are not the same as uh, the Jews, but... Uh, today is actually the 10th of the month, which I found was pretty cool. Uh, on the 10th of the month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's household, a lamb for each household. You see, the significance of Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry holds its beginning in Exodus, where the Lord told the people to choose a lamb. A lamb without blemish, a lamb without spots. The, 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 the origin of Palm Sunday starts here. A male of the first year, and they were to, to set that male aside on the 10th day of the month of the first month. Setting this special lamb aside for four days, beginning on the 10th day to the 14th day, would show that the family had chosen the lamb. And they had to be choosy about it. They couldn't just go pick something just a, just a slaughter. No, they had, to be, they had to be right. These lambs had to be perfect. They had to be tested and tried, examined for four days. We know these stories and we know, uh, or some of us do, and we know the significance behind them, but it's still important for us to understand the origin behind Palm Sunday. They had taken it unto themselves. These people had set this lamb aside on the 10th day and they had taken that lamb to themselves and to the 14th day. And then on the 14th day, what were they to do with it? They were to sacrifice that lamb, weren't they? They were to sacrifice that lamb. And it would show that the family had chosen that lamb, taken that lamb unto themselves. And when we view Exodus in chapter 12, we see that the lamb was used to break the yoke of bondage from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. That was used to break that yoke of bondage. The blood was spilt and it was placed upon the doorposts of the house on the home. And as long as the people were there, as long as they were within inside that home, they were safe. And they were saved. The death angel came through and eliminated the firstborn. And it says there was not a cry. That, that wasn't cry. Somebody was crying in all the houses of Egypt. But not so with the Jews. They were delivered with a, with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm. By the blood of the lamb. It was smeared over the doorposts of the home. John 1 and 29 tells us that John the Baptist said this when seeing Jesus. Behold, what? The Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. And my question for you this morning and for us to consider is, have we taken the Lamb of God as our own? See, each one had to take a lamb for their own household. 
They had to take one. They had to set it aside and examine it. And then they had to slaughter it. They had to take part in that. And my question to you is this. Have you taken the Lamb of God as your own? Has His blood been smeared over the doorpost to your heart? Has this Lamb been selected to worship in your home? Have you brought Him into your home? Your physical home? Your spiritual home, which is your temple? See, what was taking place in the triumphal entry was the setting apart and the setting aside of Jesus Christ. He was being put on display for the first time. Remember he kept saying, my time is not yet, my time is not yet, my time is not yet. Well, now his time had come. And supernaturally, supernaturally the people gathered. They gathered and they they worshipped him. His time had come. Maybe you've, maybe you've taken and, and seen and, and have partook of the Lamb, Lamb of God, but He's not visible in your life. You, you, you've not showed that to the world. The blood in the book of Exodus, it was very visible on the outside of the doorposts to all, to all those that are outside. It was, it was visible. It was applied to. Has this lamb been prioritized in your life? It's hard when we get to priorities, isn't it? Amen. Because we got five days and then we got the weekend and then we got church. Yes. But the lamb has to be a priority in your life. Amen. If he's not... There's a serious problem. Has he been prioritized in your life? You're counting on Jesus by faith to remove that yoke of sin and slavery. But yet, there's not a priority for him in your life. And so there's a confliction there. Has he been applied? Is, Is he a priority in your life? See... This is what we have to understand about Palm Sunday. It wasn't just about worship, but on this day started a seven-day cleansing of the house from all impurities. Seven-day cleansing of the house from all impurities. Their own home. After they left out of Egypt, this was to be for one solid week. There was to be no yeast and no leaven in that home. All impurities were to be removed. All of them. The Israelites were to move, remove this leaven and this yeast. Listen, listen to Exodus in chapter 12. Listen to what it says in 14 and 15. Now this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, but on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats anything leavened from the first until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. 
This signified and showed that sin had been removed individually, but also the home and all the tribes were to be a clean people. And so Palm Sunday is what started this. This day kicked off and there was to be a removal of sin or a removal of yeast and leaven out of the home. It couldn't be there. They couldn't eat bread that was leavened, which represented sin. They had to get it all out. This started on this day. Not only was it for the individual, not only was it for the home, but it was also for the children of Israel corporately. This is why it's so important that we examine our hearts before we take communion. That's why it's so important that we examine our hearts when we come in here to worship. That's why it's so important that we examine our hearts before we stand up to sing one word. Listen to what it says. This feast of, this, this festival, this feast of unleavened bread started on this special day. Here in Matthew in chapter 21, turn back there with me if you can. Matthew in chapter 21. Christ comes into the area of Jerusalem on the 10th day. Imagine that, right? The 10th day of the first month. Jesus comes into Jerusalem on the 10th day of the first month. Can't make this stuff up. And he came to fulfill the law of God. Imagine for a moment the vast multitude that would have already converged on Jerusalem, Jerusalem bumping the, 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 the people there, the count of people there to a few million people. Remember, this was Holy Week. They all went there. Josephus tells us that, that there would have been around 250,000 sheep that were brought into the city for sacrificing. And what day would they have been brought into the city? On the 10th day of the month. They would have been set aside on the 10th day of the month. Imagine how full Jerusalem would have been. Imagine how full, how many fathers and grandfathers, mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers and great Grandfathers and children and cousins playing and running around all over the place. Jerusalem would have been on fire with people. Lambs, you would have heard them bleeding and you would have heard them all over the place. There was worship and celebration. It was, it was a time of a festival. Beautiful time. Where they came into the city to worship. This all happened on the 10th day of the first month. But well, some people also have suggested that it was called Lamb Selection Day. I want you to pay attention. So first we see Jesus coming to fulfill the law in our text. You see that in, in Exodus in chapter 12, 1, 2, and 3, and then you see it also where it's talking about unleavened bread there in 14, 15, and 16, and actually through the rest of that text. So he comes to fulfill the law. But listen to what the the Word of God says here in verse 1. 
And when they approached Jerusalem and came and had came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her entire with her, untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says something to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Now this took place, that's what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on the colt, the foal of a beast of burden. First, we looked at Christ Jesus coming here to fulfill the law of God that was set in Exodus in chapter 12. Now we're going to see where he's going to fulfill the prophet of God, fulfill the prophets of God and the prophecies of God. Listen to what it says here in... uh, Here in this text in Zechariah 9 and 9, it says it right here in Matthew 21 and 5. It says, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Zechariah 9, 9 also tells us he is endowed with salvation. He has much salvation, much salvation to give. The prophet prophesied that the king would come and when he came, they were to behold him because he would be riding on a donkey, a beast of burden. Not a horse, which symbolized a conquering king, but on a beast of burden, which symbolized peace and tranquility. He has come in peace to save Have you, have we looked upon this king this morning? Has he came in peace to save? Make no mistake about it, one day he will come on a conquering horse, a white horse, with a robe dipped in blood. With a brow mounted with many crowns and a sharp sword coming out of his mouth to defeat his enemies and for once and for all put away the enemy and his angels. But here in this text, it was none of that. He was coming in peace. But we understand, according to God's word, that all those that don't have the, the blood applied to their hearts. In the end, that conquering king will conquer you. And you'll be thrown into the lake of fire. Or there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the first coming of him was that of peace and tranquility. The king of peace, endowed with salvation. Have you received him as your lamb? Will you receive him as your king? He comes in peace, a king of peace. And this is one thing that I love about our King Jesus, that he is able to subdue and bring peace to our fleshly appetites and our fleshly desires that I read to you in Genesis or in in Galatians in chapter 5. He has come to subdue those things and bring peace to that storm. 
Notice also the text says that he would be one that would be gentle. And we know Christ to be the very essence of of gentleness. I'm not that gentle of a person. I never really have been. I've been rough my whole life. Jesus is gentle. He's peaceful. There's a lot of us that need gentleness and peacefulness in our life. That have nothing but turmoil. Well, if you want that, Jesus is the one that can give that. This is why He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is why He's the King of peace now. One day He will not be the King of peace when He returns. He'll be the conquering King. But for now, He's the King of peace to us. For the non-believer, I want you to behold the gentle king. He won't scold you. He won't browbeat you. He won't harm you. He won't hurt you. Look at the children in the multitude. They were dancing and playing. They were, they were, they were singing and they were in the temple worshiping. All at his feet, running around him. You see how, how kind and gentle he is? Pay attention to who Jesus is. He's gentle. He's peaceful. People of all ages praising and worshiping the King of glory. Listen to what it says in verse 8. And most of the multitude spread their garments in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. They were throwing down their coats. They were cutting down palm branches. They were using what they had to minister and to to sing praises to the Lord, to show their affection to Him. Some misunderstood, absolutely. Some truly knew who He was. And they were giving what they had to the King. Verse 9, it says, And the multitudes going before Him, and those who followed after were crying out, saying, What were they saying? Save now. Hosanna! Save now, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 10 says, And when he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? The text tells us that the people were stirred. Is your heart stirred today by what Jesus has done for you? Or maybe your heart is stirred today because of what something, that because you're in sin. And you know that you're in sin and you need to get out of that sin. The only one that can bring peace is Christ. Will you worship him? Will will you fall at his feet as these children did? As they played around him? Will you worship him? And cry out to him? Are you stirred to worship with true worship? Or are you just wanting your agenda met? Because see, a lot of these people just wanted their agenda met. They didn't want to be under the yoke of the Roman government anymore. They could have cared less about their sin. 
There's a mixed multitude of people here. There were those that were hardened in their hearts by the preaching of the gospel and others who will praise and there will always be those. Mixed multitude of all ages and, and young and old alike. The king, the king is before, before them. And they were lifting up these palm branches and they were praising him. Will you do that today for him or will you rebel? against him listen to verse 11 and the multitudes were saying this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee as we look at this triumphal entry as we see Christ entering into Jerusalem palm branches were raised coats were thrown down he was riding on a donkey that had never been rode it all points back to Exodus being fulfilled. It all points back to the prophets. And now Jesus is fulfilling them. And he is coming. This lamb is being set aside. The lamb of God is being set aside on this day to be selected by the individual, by the home, and by the, by the country as the one that will take away their sin, that would bear their sin. What's the point of Palm Sunday? The point is trusting in the Lamb that's able to take away your sin. You see, the people were, they were to set that Lamb aside and then to trust in that by faith. That it would remove that filthiness. Palm Sunday is the day where Jesus Christ declared by riding in on this beast of burden... He declared by riding in this way, allowing the people to worship him, that he was the son of David. He was declaring that he was the second Adam. He was declaring that he was the son of man. A blind man could have seen this. He was declaring that he was the Messiah, the King of King. This morning, my question to you is, will you worship him accordingly? We see in the text where the people were worshiping him. As we go into a time of invitation and as we go into communion tonight, will you worship him accordingly? If the Lord has opened your heart to worship Him, raise your hands. Praise Him. Thank Him for what He's done. The King of Peace has come. Amen. He's gentle, riding on a donkey. Yes. Praise Him and worship Him this morning. Let's pray.